Hi there, I'm Shelly, a military wife and a mother of two, and I'm so glad you listeners are coming along on this journey of discovering what really matters in life from a biblical and practical perspective. One of my favorite things about having this podcast is getting to chat with a variety of people who are in different stages of life. It's great to have my friend Preston joining me today. How are you doing, Preston? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here and be on today's episode. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Well, first off, can you give a snapshot of yourself? Like, what are your interests or things you are currently doing? I'll just give you a rundown of myself, essentially. So, um, I was born in Missouri, up in St. Louis, and then when I was four, we moved down to kind of central Missouri, and I've been going to uh, Baptist Academy, graduated in 2022. And now I'm studying civil engineering and doing Air Force ROTC, which is officer training for the Air Force, if you don't know what that is. And that's pretty much what I'm doing school-wise. As far as hobbies, I mainly play sports. That's pretty much what I've been doing most of my life. I played basketball and soccer growing up, but I picked up volleyball when I was out of high school. And I played that for a while. I made my college team, but I'm no longer with them. And now I just play club, which is still volleyball, but not associated with the school. In my spare time, pretty much just play volleyball, hang out with my siblings, read a bit. I need to read more, though. So that's kind of me. That's cool. What do you like to read? Like, what's your favorite genres? I don't know. I... I like to read historical fiction. Historical fiction is pretty good. Yep. Um, really, whatever my sister picks out for me. That's the other thing, too, because she reads way more than me. So whatever she says, oh, here's a good book. You should read it. But my brother also has some good books, too. A lot of you know, Jordan Peterson books or I'm trying to think. He has Michael Knowles book I need to read. And then I think he's reading 1984 right now. Okay. But, Hey, I might have to check those books out, too. Sounds interesting. Well, I love hearing people's story, like how they came to know Jesus as their Savior. So, yeah, can you share that with us, too? Yeah, so when I've been here my whole life in school, at a Christian school, and I went to church my whole life. So it's definitely, it's a good place to grow up, but you can get really complacent. And Mm -hmm. I made a false profession in first grade. I believe. And then I kind of just clung to that for a while, even though I knew I wasn't living how I needed to be or how was what was right. Mm-hmm. And I clung to that probably till my sophomore year in high school, which was a while. But then there was a, a fall retreat at one of the camps we went to. And I really didn't want to go to that because I had other things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But my parents forced me to go. And the Lord had been working on my heart for a while. I was just really fighting it. And I ended up getting saved there. Still, it took a while for me to begin growing after that, but definitely enjoyed growing now as I get older. Do you have some favorite books of the Bible or maybe a special verse? My favorite book of the Bible is probably James. I don't know, I really like uh, James, Luke, and Acts. And then the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament is... It's really interesting. I'm reading through that right now. I just finished Ezra, Mm. actually. So reading through that in a year. 
or the whole Bible in a year. But I mean, I just finished Ezra. So it's really interesting how much knowledge is contained in the Old Testament that sometimes we don't focus as much on. But Yeah. Like reading the Bible chronologically, it, it helps make sense of like the timeline. Yeah, that's part of the problem with it because you go through and you're like, where does this fit in? I yeah, mean, you have exactly. a general idea. But. Yep. Well, so you said you're in college. And how's that going for you? I mean, being a Christian um, in a secular college, sometimes your faith can really be tested. So how's it going for you? It's it's going well. It's definitely much harder and much different than anything I've been used to. Because you you have to live out your faith every day. But that's much harder in an environment where not everyone is encouraging you to do so. I haven't ran into instances where I'm being put down because of my faith, because most of the people I am around know that I'm a Christian and they don't do certain things. I mean, at least the group I'm around is more respectful. But there still are circumstances where it's harder to live out your faith and be more vocal about it. And that's definitely the thing I need to focus the most on. But it's been going well in general, but I still have more to grow and I still need to work on you know, being more vocal and living out my faith better. But there's, there's definitely a lot of challenges that come with that compared to Christian college, although there would be still challenges at a Christian college because there are Christians or there are people who aren't Christians who go to Christian college. Yeah, and even if they claim to be Christian, I mean, the peer pressure is pretty strong even in a Christian school. And uh, everybody has different like standards or, or beliefs. So, yeah, everyone um, was raised the same way. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how did you choose engineering? I wasn't really interested in engineering in high school. I did, I didn't do much of any of that in high school. wasn't really focused on that. The only thing I did in high school was got good grades. And you know, if you get good grades, then people are like, well, you have to do, you know, STEM or, which is, if you don't know what STEM is, it's science, technology, um, engineering, mathematics. Or you do, you know, medical, lawyer. You got to do something that, you know, is a, a smart degree, quote unquote. I didn't start thinking of what I wanted to do till or towards my senior year. And I had a couple of friends who, I had a friend who went to West Point. I had a friend who did Air Force ROTC and he got a scholarship. Um, full tuition, it's a really good deal. And you owe them four years of service afterwards. So I was like, you know, I'll try out for that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it pays for your college, right? It, it pretty so, much pays yeah. for your college, yeah. So I tried out for that. At that time, I wouldn't say I was where I needed to be at in my relationship with God. But I started doing that, and I think he blessed it as it went along. Because there was a point where I know I was, and when I did get to the point where I was in a better relationship with God, I was already in the process. So I was like, well, God, if you want this to continue then open these doors and continue allowing me to go through this process. And he did. And I ended up where I'm at and all is still going well. Yeah, that's but, neat. It's, I mean, to see like how God puts desires in your heart and then he just so kindly opens doors and makes it very clear and gives you that peace. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty neat. That's been the biggest thing for me. As far as specific degree wise, I went to on Google and searched up Air Force desired majors and they're in alphabetical order and most of them are 
STEM or you know medical of sorts or foreign language and C for civil engineering it's right at the top and you know there's mm-hmm. aerospace wasn't really interested in that <laughs> and nuclear nuclear wasn't really interested in that and I was like well civil engineering that sounds kind of cool because that's mainly when you hear that you think of roads and bridges and buildings but I had done a lot of I've done a lot of construction more home construction and all that goes with that but I figured that has to transfer some oh, yeah. degree or at least <laughs> I know that so I picked civil engineering your experiences with different types of building projects I'm sure that will I mean that's got to be a great foundation for what you're going to study now so is there something you've designed or created so where I am at, I haven't done too much designing stuff. I did have to take one mechanical engineering class, which is outside of my major, but it's a, it was a requirement for all the freshmen to take. And I was in a group there and we had to make a golf ball launcher. We weren't Ooh. shooting actual golf balls. They were foam golf balls because I don't think the school would give students who know how to make things that fly uh, golf balls to do property damage with but we had to make that I didn't design too much of it because we had one guy who really had the idea and he knew more of the specifics of it but I was still a part of designing it and helped make changes to it and stuff but I ended up doing more of the there's a lot of paperwork that goes with designing something so I did Mm. a lot of that but we still designed that and it didn't perform as well as we would have hoped but we got full points and everything else so we still scored well Good. That's cool. So a golf ball launcher. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we made flywheels. If you think any football throwing machine mm-hmm. has two wheels that spin fast, and then you put the ball and it shoots it out. Yeah, yeah. Ours didn't work that well. But it did okay. work. But that's what's cool about um, like your degree. It's all um, trial and error, and uh, yeah, you just find out what mm-hmm. will work. Well, I saw a coffee mug that said civil engineering, way better than rude engineering. It's pretty witty, but there's truth to that statement. Whether we're an engineer or not, how we respond to people reflects our heart. It's really tough to respond to people who've offended or hurt us. At least I find it that way. But maybe what are some things that have helped you navigate through tough times? So tough times being... You know, people who might not agree with me and stuff like that. Really, you just can't let it get to your head. I mean, there's always going to be people who don't like you, don't agree with you. And you still have to be loving to them. You Mm -hmm. don't always have to like people. But you do need to love them. You know, uh, Christ commands us that we are to love our neighbor and they're still our neighbor. And ultimately, the goal is to win them to Christ. So not take the high road because that makes it sound like you're better than them. Mm-hmm. but be loving to them. Don't let that situation get you down. I haven't run into too many people in those types of situations who are just rude and stuff like that, at least at college. I've run into it plenty in my life. Mm-hmm. But in general, the thing that helps me get through that is to just you know, be nice. I had a situation the other night where I was driving home from work at 10 o'clock, and the speed limit was 35, and the guy in front of me was going 25 the whole way home. And I was very tempted to tailgate him. <laughs> but I was like, you know, I don't have anything going on. 
what does this tailgating him benefit mean anyway? I mean, he wasn't being rude to me, but he was still doing something that's mildly annoying. Is there any reason to get mad or any reason to argue with this person or something? So that's generally the best way to look at it. Do I always execute that well? No. (laughs) I've been guilty. Okay, maybe I got there a minute earlier, but I like what you said. It's really a mindset. If we keep it in our mind and think about it and let it fester, it can really, it could even lead to bitterness. So whether we are in good or bad situations, sometimes we think our environment affects our decisions, but what's some things you're finding out in college, like about your environment that maybe our challenges or that you're growing in? Yeah, so I would definitely say that your environment does have an effect on your decisions. Um, going from a Christian school to a secular college, it's, it's a much different environment. And if you're not careful, you'll let not even the bad peer pressures per se, just the different peer pressures might not be that you're doing something wrong. It's just something that you wouldn't have done before. You know, is it something you should really be doing? Because there is kind of that gray line in some situations where, you know, well, it's not wrong. You know, it's not explicitly stated wrong in the Bible. It's not a moral issue. Mm-hmm. But is it beneficial? Is it fruitful? If it, if you say no to that second question, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, your situations definitely do impact you, but it's the hardest part is not letting your situation impact you or your environment. I know I've ran into situations where my environment does have an influence where I maybe haven't made the best decision. Not necessarily a terrible decision. You know, it's not like I went out and, well, these guys were like, hey, you want to go to the pub with me and a few other guys? And I'm like, well, maybe. I guess I'll just go there to get food. Not that decision, mm-hmm. but even smaller things. But those, those small things lead to big things. I was talking to your husband, I don't remember what night, but we were talking about how, you know, you never notice your sin at first. And it's amazing how people can rationalize away their sin. You start doing something that you never would have done before, but you come up with a way in your mind to make sense of it and to tell yourself, well, it's not as bad as I was thinking. We were talking about that at our church's having missions conference this week and Brother Kraft in the men's breakaway session that we had was talking about that too, about how Saul rationalized his own sin and that ultimately led to his downfall. But you have to be really careful in those situations that you don't end up doing that because if you do rationalize your sin, then it does lead to bigger sins. And you might not expect that. You might not ever think that you would do something like that. And then you look back at where you are or where you came from and you ask yourself, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. And it's because you, in those small decisions that you think didn't affect your life, you made not maybe a wrong choice, but not the best choice. And eventually that leads to um, a situation that's much harder to escape because in those small situations where it's easy to make the right choice. If you don't make that right choice, you're going to be in a situation where making the right choice is a thousand times harder. Yeah, true. So I think having safety precautions is important. I was talking with a friend yesterday about Chernobyl, the nuclear plant, the designers, the engineers did not make safety a priority. 
And so there was a malfunction and it literally melted from within. Mm-hmm. It, w- it released chemicals into the environment and so people were dying. And then it also affected the town around. And so it made me think of, yeah, like if we don't have safety precautions or, yeah, temptations are going to be there. But how, like, what do you find is your foundation for saying yes to something or saying no to something or making wise choices? Yeah, so those safety precautions are definitely important. It's harder to think of those on a personal level because, you know, with the nuclear reactor, there's some pretty obvious safety precautions that you can set up if you know how a nuclear reactor works. I know a bit, but not that much, so Mm -hmm. I won't go into that. But in our lives... Those safety precautions can be accountability partners, mm-hmm. um, which is harder for me at college because I, there's not that many good Christians in the circles that I'm in just because of ROTC and other situations in classes. I know one or two, maybe. But since you don't have that accountability partner, it becomes harder at least in that situation, you can still have someone who keeps you accountable, who, you know, you, you go to church with or something, which is, that's another, one of the best ways to do it is to stay in church mm-hmm. because it's hard to stay in church and be around people of God without them picking up on something that's different in your life. It's really hard mm-hmm. to fake it around church people. That's something else we talked about last night in our other men's service, but I won't go into that. And then there are other things you can do. Even if it's not an accountability partner there, you have to find some things that motivate you to do the right thing. Even if it's just small thoughts that you have in your head, you know, why am I doing this? Ultimately, you're doing it because God wants you to be there. So you can't lose focus of that. You can think of other people in your life who you would disappoint Mm -hmm. if you didn't do the right thing. That's a big motivator for some people is you don't want to be a disappointment. And the biggest motivator should be your, your love for God and that you don't want to be a disappointment to him mm-hmm. because sure. what you do on earth ultimately is, I mean, it does matter when you get to heaven, but that's, it determines whether or not you get rewards, whether or not you've been a faithful servant because you can go to heaven and if you're saved, you can have lived a, great life and life of service for Christ and you'll be rewarded or you can just be mediocre. I mean, you'll still be in heaven, but do you want to be that that great Christian who's serving God? And that kind of has to be a big part of your motivation. And then just thinking of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, what he's done for you. And obviously we can't repay that, but what can you do to show your love to him for that? And there are other things you can do, but it's just situational for everyone, depending on what you're in. You can put up defenses, and those defenses can just be, you know, you being really adamant about not doing certain things, but that takes strong will Mm -hmm. in most cases. But when does life not take strong will? Yeah, true. Having a relationship with Christ, what I'm hearing you say is like you keep going back to that um, foundation has to be the Lord. And then our motivation has to be pleasing Him, you know, glorifying Him. So, yeah, those are um, some great things to take to heart. I know there might be some listeners, maybe you don't know who is Jesus. It's your first time to really hear anything about God's Word or who He is. So in the show notes, I will actually put some verses how 
you can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you can know him as your savior. And is there a favorite verse that you have, Preston? Uh, Luke 16.10. Luke 16.10. Okay, so I'll put that in the show notes as well. And yeah, it's been really fun chatting with you today. Do you have anything else you want to add or? No, that's it. Okay. Well, thanks for being here. In closing, one of the wisest men who ever lived was King Solomon. In his book of Ecclesiastes found in the Bible, Solomon talks about sorrows and the futility of a life without God. And in his concluding verses in the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Until next time, look to the Lord, because it does matter. Goodbye. Ciao for now. <laughs>